The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Glorious. I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then we're going to jump into the scripture. God, you're a God who still shows up, who still find ways to encounter us uh, post-Easter. Lord, we ask that you speak into our lives, uh, speak into this world. God, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So last weekend was fun, right? For those of you who weren't here, uh, we worshiped outdoors. It's hard to compete with the sanctuary that God literally designed. Uh, and he was, kind, he was very kind to us. He turned the fan on, so we had a good breeze going. Uh, service started like the first song, and the lights came on, and the sun was just shining. Uh, and Easter really is one of those moments, right, where it's the highest of highs. And you're looking out, and you're like, wow, that was a great weekend. And then as a pastor, you're like, what do you do after that, right? Like, I, I, I don't have the outdoor service. I don't have our entire church gathered as one family. We just got all this energy and this excitement. And the question of, okay, Easter was great, but now what, right? And in a real way, that's what the disciples are facing in this section of Acts, right? Jesus has conquered the grave. He's come back, he's resurrected, and they're kind of in this waiting period, this holding period of, well, what's he going to do now, right? He already defeated death. He's already proven he can do anything. But they're in this interim period, and we've been in this series called Encounters with Christ. This is going to be the last one of the series, because when you look through... That was the Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about him in a moment. Just wanted you to feel him a little. Now, um, so, uh, Encounters with Christ. And this is going to be the last real physical encounter that we have in the Gospels into the book of Acts. And really, when you're thinking about the Gospels, we think of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But Luke really is a Gospel of two parts. Luke starts off in his Gospel and he tells the story of Christ. Still me. (laughs) Um, He starts off with the story of Christ uh, and uh, walks through the resurrection. But then Luke part two literally starts off right where the book of Luke ended. So if you get into Acts, it starts off in my former book, Theophilus. He's talking about the gospel of Luke. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. And after his suffering, he presented to them many proofs, many convincing proofs that he was alive. And again, we talked about this last week, about how the disciples really didn't think Jesus was physically alive, right? They were thinking this was some kind of like ghost Jesus, and he kept reinforcing, no, guys, I really defeated death. I really still have a body. I was talking with Tanner, and he was asking me what my favorite encounter with Christ is, and we were sharing stories, and he's like, my favorite encounter with Christ is post-resurrection, Jesus cooking breakfast for his disciples, right? Because there's something just so normal and kind and hospitable about that, and you see that in the book of John, where they're out fishing, and Jesus is waving them from the beach, and like, oh, Jesus is here, and so they jump out, and they go over there, and he's literally just cooking them breakfast, right? Because he's alive, he's physical, and so that's part of what he does. But then it goes on, and it says, And he appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. And this is really important. 
Because not only does Jesus focus on, hey guys, I'm really alive. He also focuses on, there is a mission that God has for the church. There is a mission that I came here to complete. And we pray that mission every week. It's in the Lord's Prayer. When we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Kingdom isn't a physical space in the Greek word. It means your reign on earth, reign here in this physical space like you reign in heaven where you dwell. We want earth to be like heaven. We want your love, your grace, your compassion to come to our physical space in the same way that it is in your spiritual space. All right? And so Jesus talks through that with his disciples, and that's how it frames the rest of the book of Acts. It goes on, and he says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What we see here is that the power that is going to push the church forward, the power and the authority and the heavy lifting of anything that Jesus' disciples are going to do is going to be through the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be honest with you, the Holy Spirit is probably the most misunderstood aspect of who God is, right? Because when you talk about the Father, when you talk about the Son, those are two concepts that we can wrap our minds around, right? We can know what a good Father is, right? We have fathers in the world, and we can be like, okay, yeah, that relates. I can get that. And then you get to the Son, and it's like, okay, I know how a father and a son relate to one another, and I know what a hero looks like. Right? And we say that the Son of God is the Messiah, the chosen hero who is going to redeem everyone. And so we have these two members of the Trinity that were like, yep, that makes sense. Yep, that makes sense. And then we get to the Holy Spirit, and it just gets weird, right? And we don't have nearly as good of a context to put the Holy Spirit into. Right? The example that I like to use the most, though, of how to understand what the power of the Holy Spirit looks like is to use the, il the illustration of a play or a book. And the father is the creator. He is the author of the story. And the author has full power in the story. It's his story. He designed it. He knows what's going to happen. He knows all the characters. And the son is the hero of the story. He's the one who comes into a story that has broken people in a broken world, and he rescues them and he redeems them, and that's the story of Easter, right? But then when you get to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the narrator of God's story. Think about a narrator. If a narrator says the sky is blue, what color is the sky? Blue. If the narrator says this person is going to meet this person, what happens? That person meets that person. Anything the narrator says is spoken into existence. And how does God do things? In the beginning, God said. And he speaks. And when God speaks, when the Holy Spirit moves, reality changes. You actually see that in Genesis. It says that the Spirit of God hovered over the world. 
even deeper than that. And this blew my mind when I realized this in seminary. Do you know how Jesus does miracles? By the power of the Holy Spirit. You read through the Gospels, and again and again and again, you hear that the power of the Spirit came upon Jesus and he heals. The power of the Spirit came upon Jesus and he feeds. Jesus called on the narrator, called on the Holy Spirit, and spoke new reality into existence. And what he tells his disciples is because now that you are in right relationship with God, that same power, that same narrator is going to walk with you. And we're going to see how that gets flushed out in Scripture. Jesus says this in John, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. We don't have access to the Father. We don't have access to the Spirit without Jesus, right? That's the whole point of resurrection. That's the whole point of him having to die and suffer. But because he does all that, now he says, I'm going to give you an advocate. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, Jesus says. All this I have spoken while I was with you, but the Advocate, the Spirit with whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you, for I do not give you peace as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. We've been in a series called Encounters with Christ. We've been looking at different physical encounters that the disciples had with Jesus, that tax collectors had with Jesus, that Pharisees had with Jesus. But what we see in the books of Acts is that encounters with Christ change from being limited to meeting the physical Jesus to Jesus saying, no, now I'm not going to leave you alone, but I'm going to send the Spirit. And through the Spirit, I'm going to connect to you. And I'm going to teach you a power is going to come upon you, the power that literally created the world, right? that literally spoke life and creation into existence. He says that power is coming. And that power is going to go with you and he is going to advocate for you. And he's going to teach you. In fact, he's going to do the heavy lifting for the kingdom of God. Because when you really start to look at what God is asking, what Jesus' mission is, to bring heaven to earth, to bring God's reign, his love, his grace, that's a big bar, right? And when I look at the guy in the mirror, I'm going to muck it up, right? Left to my own best thinking, I will destroy anything God wants to do. And he says, no, no, Josh, you're not going to do the heavy lifting. He says, I'm going to send the Spirit. I'm going to send the narrator, and he is going to work with you to speak into your daily life, to speak into your neighbors and your families, to change, to bring God's reign and love and grace. All right? story goes on in Acts, and they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? 
And he, being Jesus, said to them, It's not for you to know the times of the date that my Father has set by his own authority, but again, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then he gives them the charge. He says, And ye will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the very ends of the world. Jesus sends out these followers. And when you look at those four names that he, uh, he said, to Jerusalem, that was the city that they lived in. So for us, that is North Austin, right? That's Leander, Cedar Park, Liberty Hill, Austin proper. It says, that is your first call. But what's cool is Jesus already starts breaking down barriers, right? Breaking down divisions. He goes, but you're, you're going to go beyond just Israel. No, you're going to go to Judea, which is the region, Right? So now we're talking the state of Texas. He goes, your call is to them as well. My mission is to them as well. It's bigger than just local, right? And then Samaria, well, Judea and Samaria together made up which was ancient Israel. And he goes, so your call is also to your nation. So now we've got North Austin. We've got Texas. We've got the U.S. He says, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus charges his disciples, guys, this mission that I'm going to send you on, it's going to be bigger than just what you're doing locally here. It's bigger than just your neighborhood, but it includes your neighborhood. It's bigger than just your state, but it includes your state. And all of a sudden, what you start to realize is Jesus' plans were a lot bigger than his disciples' plans. Because they're asking, hey, when are you going to restore Israel? When are you going to restore our nation? Because they're still thinking from their own perspective. And Jesus says, no, 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 guys, it's for everyone now. I'm fighting for everyone. Which is good news, because we don't live in Israel, right? We live in the States. No, I'm, I'm fighting for those in the States. And I'm fighting for those in China. And I'm fighting for those in Michigan in New York, in San Francisco. Jesus says, and you guys are going to be my witnesses. You guys are going to be my agents of good to tell the story of who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing. And when you go through the rest of the book of Acts, all of a sudden you start to see people encountering Jesus through the church. And the encounters change from the physical Jesus and his time here on earth, those 33 years, to him saying, now I am sending you out, and wherever you go, I am going to go. It's literally how Jesus scales his ministry. So if you think about in business, you can start off with a local bake shop, and you're making cookies, and people are loving your cookies. And you have two options. You can say, all right, I as the cook... I'm going to continue to cook and make these cookies. Or you say, you know what? No, I'm going to teach others to cook. And I'm going to teach them how to make these epic pastries. And then I'm going to send them out. And they're going to then feed. They're going to go and love. And that's what Jesus does. And when you look through the book of Acts, all of a sudden, you see the very things that Jesus was doing his disciples are doing as well. And so Jesus saw hungry people. His disciples see hungry people. They're like, we should feed them. 
Jesus saw people who were far from God, who thought that their own mistakes, their own past, their own brokenness kept them separated from God. Jesus enters into their story and he says, no, let me tell you about a God who loves you, that a God who fights for you, a God who will chase you down. No matter how far you run, God's legs are stronger than yours. And so his disciples are like, well, if Jesus did that in our lives, we should pass that on. And it starts to scale out. And the encounters with Christ all of a sudden start working through the church, which is humbling because those are our spiritual ancestors, which means those are our spiritual charges. In the same way that the apostles, everywhere they went, things got better because they were following Jesus, because they were connected to the Holy Spirit, the same way we go, things are supposed to get better. And then what I think is probably the most ridiculous section of Scripture, because Jesus says something, he makes a claim that when you read it, I scoff internally every time. I kid, I kid you not, my first reaction is, ha! <laughs> no. All right? This comes in John, and he's still talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Okay, you've seen me work, now watch as we go forward. But he goes on, and he says, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Church, Jesus says that we're supposed to do greater things than he did. Sit on that statement for a second. Jesus said, you saw what I did? I'm sending you out to do even bigger things. I'm sending you out to be even bigger agents of change. Bigger agents of love and grace. That is humbling. And kind of terrifying, right? I mean, all of a sudden, the expectation of what we think God is going to do changes. But what's beautiful is, he doesn't say... Now, you're supposed to do bigger things than, I'm, uh, than I did. Good luck, right? He doesn't send us off. He doesn't say, hey, Pastor Josh, I need you to be a better teacher than I was. Enjoy that, right? That is an impossibly high bar for any of us to ever reach. And that is not what he is saying. He immediately says, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask anything from me in my name, and I will do it. He says, guys, because I'm going to the Father, now not just one person has access to the Holy Spirit. The entire church has access to the narrator. The entire church has access to the power that literally created the world. That when God speaks, when God intends something, reality literally changes. And all of a sudden, it's not one person with the Holy Spirit, but it's the entire family of God. It's the entire body of Christ. Each with a direct line to a power that is more beautiful than themselves, more powerful than themselves, more wise for themselves. And all of a sudden, other things that Jesus said start to make more sense. Jesus says things like, don't worry when you have to speak in front of people about me. I worry a ton when I have to speak about people in front of Jesus, right? And like, God, I'm going to screw this up with a coworker or a friend. And you're like, I don't have the words. Do you know what he says? He says, do not worry, for you will not be the one speaking, but it will be the Holy Spirit speaking through you. He says, guys, I don't expect you to do the heavy lifting. He says, I expect you to connect to me. And when we're connected to God, when we're connected to the body of Christ, 
He says, my power will flow through you. I'll give you the words. And if you don't have the words, that's all right. He can translate that anyway. We talk about speaking in tongues, right? And for the most part, uh, again, that's, uh, there's, there's a lot of different aspects of Christianity that I personally do not completely understand. But one of the ways I have seen God speak in tongues, I have botched sermons. I kid you not. I can, I can listen to what I said and be like, that was atrocious. And someone will come up to me and be like, Josh, God just spoke to me today. And I really needed to hear those words. And I'm like, did you hear me? Like, I literally didn't get a coherent sentence in for like five paragraphs. And yet God speaks through a broken vessel, through a broken pastor, because his Holy Spirit's going to do the heavy lifting. He's going to translate into people's hearts so they hear what God needs them to hear. And all of a sudden, that statement that we're going to do greater things than he isn't a weight on our shoulders. It's not an expectation. Instead, it's something that we wait on with expectancy, with hope. And like, all right, God, what are you going to do? If I stay connected to you in my brokenness, in my hurt, in my honesty, God, will you move? And he moves. Will you show up? And he shows up. And all of a sudden, the world starts changing. Our communities start changing. Because he's using us as redeemed kids to go out and help redeem more kids. He says this in uh, 2 Corinthians. Paul is writing to the church, and he's trying to help them understand what their role is in the world. And he says this, he says, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Right? So he says, we used to think one way about the world. Now we look at the world differently. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. God is doing something new, something powerful. All this is from God, who reconciled himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He goes, it's not on you. It's not by your power that you're going to pull this off. He goes, but because of what Christ did, because Christ reconciled and made our relationship right with God, he says, now your ministry is going to be about reconciliation. He goes on, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We, therefore, acts, church, Leander, are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He says, I'm going to scale my ministry through my kids. Because I'm going to make a right relationship. That's literally what righteousness means. It means to be in proper relationship. Right? Because you're going to be in proper relationship with God. You're going to be in proper relationship with each other. He goes, and then I want you to go out and be my ambassadors. I want you to be the ones who speak forgiveness, who speak love, who by the power of the Holy Spirit brings the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the umbrella of God into a broken world that desperately needs right relationships. Because as great as Easter was, Easter Day we also had a really... (laughs) 
uh, horrible example of how bad the world still is, right? 250, I think the total is, died in the church bombings. We still live in a broken world. We still live in a world that doesn't know how to love each other, that hasn't figured out how to love their neighbor as themselves, because sin, all it does, all it specializes, is breaking down relationships with us and God, us and each other, and us and our world. But, but what is God trying to do? Reconcile the world to himself. He says, yes, the world is broken, and your mission is to help people restore their relationship with me. Your mission is to help people restore their relationship together. Your mission is to help restore and reconcile their relationship with their world. Right? And in this, there are two big truths, and they are powerful. But when we talk about encounters with Christ, again, we have direct access to the Father, we have the Holy Spirit, but he also gives us a physical way to encounter Christ, and it's in the church. Think, there are times in my life where I would love to talk to Jesus, right? Where I would love to sit down, have a coffee in front of me, and be like, I just need help processing this, right? What we find in that passage, what we find in Jesus' charge and acts, is he goes, if you're with the church, you're with me. You have access to me. And there is something powerful there. There is something holy and sacred there. Beyond that, though, it also means that when we leave, Christ leaves. When we're at school in a classroom, Jesus says, I'm at school in your classroom. When you're at work or on a conference call, Jesus is at work, and he's on a conference call. When you're in your families, and Easter's done, and you're trying to figure out what you're going to eat, and you're all arguing about it, Jesus is at that meal. When your neighbor's child dies, Jesus is there. He says, where you go, I go. And all of a sudden, encounters with Christ can now scale. And the whole world can know about a God who loves them. Because he sent his kids out with that same message of reconciliation. That same heart to see people connected to God and connected to each other and connected to their world. And that's where we go from Easter. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to pray. We're going to have a time of reflection. And then... We're going to have what we call the sacrament. Sacrament literally means sacred moment. It's actually another way we connect with God, where we connect with each other. Communion literally means community union. And what we believe is that something sacred happens, where God says, I'm going to show up here. If you want to encounter me, I'm going to be there. And I'm going to connect you to me, and I'm going to connect you to each other. It's one of the ways that the gifts, a moment he gives to the church, you all pray with me. Heavenly Father God, you are a good God. You are a God who specializes in reconnecting his children to a loving father, reconnecting his children to each other, even though we sometimes argue and fight 
reconnecting his children to the world, and sending us out with power. Lord, not power as the world gives, but power as your son demonstrated in sacrificial love, in humility, in grace, in kindness, and compassion. Lord, we pray that this week that we go as ambassadors to help people encounter you through us. Lord, we say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Acts Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at actschurchleander.com.